0: Proverbs 18, 12, I will read this. Um, It's interesting. It says, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but before honor is humility. And I've been thinking a lot about this um, idea of honor and what it means. Like, before I can really live in honor, I have to live in an understanding of humility. The song they sang about the creator, do I know Uh, that I was made, and do I also know that everyone that is with me in any situation is also made by God? There is a nature of honor that I need to have for every person that I encounter. This is like an important thing. Uh, There's an interesting... I don't... mm. Uh, There's a novel called Gilead by Marilyn Robinson. And in that, there's a pastor. It's about a couple of preachers and stuff like that. And it's, it's you know, I, don't, I hesitate to recommend it, but, you know, I enjoyed it. So what can I say? But in there, one of the pastors talks to the other pastor about um, how every face makes a claim upon us, every face, because of the incarnation And that in humility, I recognize that if the first part of the Bible says what it says, and it does, it says that God breathed into Adam and he became a living soul, then it means that every set of eyes that I look into have like the breath of God behind them. And this means that what God is after is drawing all men to himself all women to himself and that every person that is in my life has a claim on me especially since i am a person who understands where i came from i have come to the place of humility repentance really begins with an understanding that i need mercy you know i change my mind about doing things on my own and climbing the ladder John the Baptist came and he said, you know, um, uh, when it's talking about John the Baptist, it said that every valley will be filled, every hill will be flattened, every mountain would be made flattened, and every path would be made straight. When John the Baptist came, he said, I'm telling you to prepare the way of the Lord because all flesh is going to see salvation, and that salvation is going to be a very straight And narrow way it is going to be in the person of Christ we heard that last Sunday there is one way to the father and that is the person of Jesus and so uh, you know the systems of the world create valleys for people to go through Uh, the systems of the world create hills for people to climb the systems of the world create mountains trying to get close to God and they create crooked ways But when Jesus showed up, he said, I am taking on this body, this humanity to show you one way, one way. And when we come to know that way, when we recognize we need that mercy that comes from what happened at the cross, then we live in honor. We honor the one who made us, you know, if you live close to people if you're married, you live close to people, or you live in any place where there's a lot of situations. There's um, disagreements, there's disputes, there's you know some anger show, shown. But if you can live in honor, it's when we cross into dishonor, is when we get into issues. This is the whole point I think of, of uh, Lucifer, is that he dishonored his creation. He dishonored what he made. You know, we can have a disagreement. You know, we have people who have disagreements with God in the Bible. You can read Psalm 13. Have you forgotten me, Lord? You can read about Jonah. I'm angry enough to die. And God said, really, are you angry enough to die? And does God strike him down? No, he lets him go on. But the truth of the matter is, is that every every one of every human being, every person that we've met is worthy of honor. And can I be as a person humble enough to recognize that the breath of God in me is the same breath of God in that person I mean it's a way of life I don't think we ever really learn this completely but I mean disagreements can be interesting disputes and there can even be strong language but if we can learn if I can learn as a person to honor everyone as Paul honored him. Paul said, you know, I purpose in my life to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. And I think that's really like that just narrows humanity down to two categories. Either you are a member of the body in particular because you have discovered who Christ is on the cross or anyone outside of that has Christ has been crucified. For him or her. And so honor must be the way that I live. Honor for everyone. Honor for everyone God has made. Everyone has a potential. It's really the purpose of God to draw as many of these people who would decide to receive his mercy to himself. And we are those people who carry the spirit and carry the light of the gospel, and we take it to people like that, and we live in honor honor. We are humble enough to recognize what we were, and now we can help people find out what they should be if they don't know that God made them, made each one of us for himself to be full of his glory, to enjoy him, to be present with him. It's what he's made us to be. It's what he's made everyone to be. Okay, that's an introduction for you. God bless you.
1: Good morning. good morning. What a good weekend we had. We had the men's seminar. Pastor Ramir did such a good job. A few hundred men uh, met Friday night, and we gave a message. I want to share it with you this morning, what I told the men. I think the ladies are very, very interested in what did you tell them? <laughs> Will it help? <laughs> so, uh, rich time and all the portions. One uh, spoke yesterday in a workshop on pride and humility. Pastor Steve just gave a good word on that, and boy, that was so rich. Thank you, Pastor. Um, There were workshops yesterday, and then Pastor Wright gave a great message on the arrow of deliverance, and then um, Bailey Norman gave a great message. Um, We went out evangelizing in the morning, um, and it it was cold, but that even heightened the, the message that we shared with people that you know we really believe this and we are out in the cold telling people about Jesus and that also was uh, so rich uh, sometimes we meet people and they know about our church and some have come and and um some have come one woman uh middle-aged woman said i, I went there when i was a child and um and I always think about how precious that is that people um that the Lord planted a seed that the Lord spoke to somebody and helped them and uh, and what He does, and how good He is to us it 's amazing okay let 's go to the text it 's um Luke <clears throat> and let's see i want to get the right one yes luke 8 verse 22 the message was basically basically about three things <clears throat> i think i left my pen no here it is three things in our outline so number 1 um we are on a ship you know and in this case, it's your ship. you are alone on your ship, with Jesus. Jesus is with you on your ship. then there are there's the fleet, other ships. Now, uh, we're going to look at the text, but I'm taking liberty to say it uh, say it differently, and then our destination with the fleet, where we are going with our ships where God is taking us. So even though uh, the text isn't saying exactly this outline, but I I think you can bear with me and use it to provoke your imagination and think with me about what I want to say. Because when we have a group of men, we have a personal life, you're personal life and how is that going and usually um, when I ask men privately or in a small group what's your biggest problem they say two things generally anger I have an anger problem and then secondly I have an insecurity problem I'm insecure Uh, when other people succeed I feel low or bad When I'm around people that are happy, I wish I was. It makes me feel there's something wrong with me, something deficient. So we have our point number one is our own ship. So that's what we'll talk about now. Chapter 8, verse 22. Let's pray for the message. Lord, Lord, people, we have come. God, we respond to you and your love for us through Christ. What you did for us, how you loved us, at your right hand, our pleasures forevermore. The psalmist said, I have set the Lord before my face. He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. You have loved every one of us with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness you draw us. We, re- we rejoice in you today. Bless this message, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 8. Verse 22, now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, let's go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. Verse 23, but as they sailed, he fell asleep and they came down as there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water, and were in jeopardy. So we have a we have a boat, and there are the disciples. There are twelve, and there's Jesus there, and Jesus falls asleep. The first point I want to make is that you your life is like a ship. Your life is a closed, uh, contained piece of real estate or territory. You are in a boat. And if you could think of yourself being alone in the boat, then you could think of what I want to say now. That you are alone in your life. Nobody is with you, but Jesus is with you. But he's sleeping. Why? Why is we sleep? He it doesn't say. But I wanna I want to suggest an idea because we're not caring about him because we have nothing to say because we're also sleepy because we don't have fellowship. Because, like, he's there, but we don't need him right now. We can do it on our own. I can live my life. I learned how to live my life. I'm really capable. I'm really good at it. I can make money. I've got a job. I've got a family. I can really make my life work. And Jesus is in your life. But is he active? Is he in Fellowship. Does he have, Does he talk to you? Do you hear him? Do you relate to him? The whole thing that happened in our lives when we were born again was that we woke up to him. He is here. He is on the boat, and he's awake. He is alive. He has something to say. He is with us. We, we, he is with me. And uh, you know, we we shared something uh, in the meeting the other night about circumcision. That's kind of you know, it has to do with our the sex, male sexuality, and and to think that God wanted the Jewish people to be known this way, and there is a parallel between sexuality and knowing God because in sexuality you have the most intimate exchange between a man and a woman. And it's that part of the male body that God uses as a sign for knowing. And you know it says Adam knew Eve, um That referred to sexuality, the sex, sex, the man with the woman. And that it has to do with knowing, knowing another person intimately and personally. And the Lord is saying to the Jew, this is how, this is how I want people to know that you actually know me. You are my people. You are circumcised it 's written romans two twenty eight and twenty nine let 's put that up on the screen verse twenty eight for he was not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh so very in- interesting point there is there are people. There are people that are circumcised, but they aren't really, they're not really a Jew, okay? And then there are those that are not circumcised that are actually a Jew. Look at verse 29. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. You know, I know there's a lot there, but bear with me. When I have my boat, my life, and Jesus is with me, then we have fellowship. It's inward. It's a circumcision of the heart, not of the flesh. But that being said, still... The mark of a person that is with God is somebody that's circumcised. Not the pagans, no, not the pagans, but the Jew is circumcised, representing why I have my people. I have my people so they can know me. I have my people so that we have fellowship. I have my people, and he's saying in our New Testament. It's in the flesh, but there is the circumcision of the heart through the new birth, and through the new birth, you know God, Roman Jeremiah 9 and verse 23. So knowing God in our life, well, in my flesh, I don't know God but in my flesh I can live a good life but do I know God I can have my 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 life but I easily get angry and frustrated also in my heart like have you ever put together a puzzle like a like a you know those big puzzles with a thousand pieces and you're halfway through it and the dog comes running in and rips it up, tears it up, and you, do you get angry? Yeah, I get angry if I, my focus is I'm doing this and everything in its place, but now I'm frustrated. Well, what frustrates you? What frustrates your life? Your children, your job, your boss, your, where you live, uh, people? What our families, what frustrates us easily because I don't have, I don't, Jesus is not awake on my boat. Jesus is not awake in my life. Jesus is not the big picture. I have a puzzle, but I have a big picture, and that is. That that Jesus is on my boat and he has promises. And we live by promises. And we actually know God. God knows us. We have fellowship with God in promises. It sounds mechanical, but I don't mean it that way. I mean intimate, personal relationship relationship where God is awake, alive, interacting with me on my boat, my, my life of faith and grace. And when God says, I love you, and there is no response, like he could be, you know, like, like he's riding with you in the car, but he can get in the back seat. Actually, for some believers, he might get in the trunk. Uh, he's in the trunk. He's treated like that. He's treated like that. He's in the trunk, like he's cargo. Yeah, I, I don't really need him in the front seat. I don't really need him to speak to me. I don't really need him to challenge my life. But as I live that way, then the puzzle thing messes up my heart, my mind. I get really angry or frustrated, my relationships may go bad, I might be depressed, I might be guilty, because his ministry he has a ministry of love and truth to us. He loves me. He is for me. Okay. So let's read the story, it goes verse 23 he fell asleep there came down a storm of wind on the lake they were filled with water and were in jeopardy so that happens these words have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace in the world tribulation in the world tribulation it happens the storms of life happen and the boat is filled with water my boat my life is filled with water my life is in jeopardy and my 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 whole thing what i'm all about is not working so well and he's there praise the lord so verse 24 they came to him and awoke him, saying, "Master, Master, we perish." So, where, what what does he say to them? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? And maybe that's that's a very common thing with us. Lord, it's all it's gone. It's upside down. It's really not good. It's not good. It's upside down. We are pastors, and we get a lot of phone calls and emails Some people are saying to us our brothers and sisters are saying to us it's upside down. What do I do? It's upside down. And and we and and we understand that because we're the same. We're all of us we, we know this. So then he's he arose verse twenty four and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased. And there was a calm. Don't you wish it was that easy? Don't we wish that we could just call upon him in the trunk of the car? Trunk of the car, out of the trunk. Tell him, it's all upside down, not working out. And he just changes the whole thing. That's what he did in this story. And then he says this to them. Where's your faith? Verse, it? didn't he say that? Verse 25. He said, Where is your faith? Now, let's talk about that for a moment. Faith before the problem, faith before the, the puzzle goes upside down, faith before the trouble ha- hits the house, faith before you get in trouble at the university. Or at your work. Faith before you have a problem in your career or your health, before our health goes bad. Faith before, where is it? Well, it's so easy to live without it. But we are feeding it. How do you feed your faith? By being with people that have faith, by talking about faith. How do you feed your faith? By hearing the word. Word of life, the word of faith. It helps us. My my wife said recently, like we were at church, and then um, you know, two two days later, like I think it was Wednesday night, we had a we had service here and really 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 good good message. And then two days later, she ran ran into some turbulence somehow, like just normal, like like we all do. And she said, that message Wednesday night helped me. I got navigated. It was kind of dicey. It was kind of like I didn't know I could react or I could pick up and make a phone call. But I didn't because I got fed. And it helped me navigate. Where do you live by faith? or Only when the trouble comes. Yeah, so this is living by faith. It says we walk by faith, not by sight. And to be honest, the men that gathered, we, we just had rich, you know, you know it's funny. Guys just have to, all we have to do is hang out and be together. And we enjoy it so much. Not even talking a lot, just talking a little bit, muffled tones, laughing in the corner. Just hanging being together. Like, it's just so nice for the men, for us, to do that. And and it was rich. But I could also see they come from good churches where they're being fed, where they have faith. One brother came from North Carolina. Some came from Massachusetts and a few different places. And it was just a, a good time, a beautiful time. Okay, now look at this next point on our on our the fleet other ships we're not alone we we are we we are with others we are we are caring not to destroy other ships or bump into them or go the opposite way or avoid them we are a fleet we are moving in a direction, and Jesus is the is, is on every one of them. And G- Jesus is the pilot and the guide and he's the one that's leading us in a mission. He's leading us in our purpose. So um, we respect each other, Pastor Steve mentioned that. That um at his right hand our pleasures forevermore. In his presence is fullness of joy, um, and uh, we awake to righteousness. We are, awa- we are alerted to his nature and his great love for us. So, verse uh, 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, so this is the third point. Why does he have you on the Earth to bring you to the country of the Gadarenes? It's a district on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. And over there they did have a, a herd of swine, which are not Jewish food, like Jews don't eat pork. But those uh, people did, because they were a mixed uh, group of people. And in the cemetery over there was a man out of his mind. He was filled with demons. And Jesus said, let's go there. Uh, He would lead us to a place maybe we wouldn't normally go. He would lead us to a ministry that would challenge us. He would lead us to be in a fleet, or as I'm saying it today, that we are we are together and we are going somewhere because he has something in his mind, and it's not in our mind. But what he has in his mind is what I'm interested in. Aren't we interested in what it is, where are we going, Jesus? And he's saying we we're on a mission. We're on a mission. We're going somewhere. Why? What, why not? We, we want to have a peaceable life. We want to have a convenient. We cannot do something radical like what, what are we doing over here in this area? And he's saying somebody is in, is in trouble. And I've got you guys on the earth. And I'm with you in it. And you know who I am. Guys, you saw what I did out there in the storm, and you know who I am. But I could also sleep in your life. Like, I could be a sleeper. But I, it says in the psalm that God doesn't slumbers nor sleep. So, yeah, obviously, of course, he's not sleeping. But regarding my life, he could be. Regarding my life, is he awake? Regarding my life, am I with him in his plan? Are we following him and what he is doing? Even though I'm not so comfortable with that? But that might be the very thing I need. And so we we say, let's go to the cross. The cross challenges my flesh. And my flesh doesn't like the cross. I I don't like the cross. It's horrible. It's like, the cross means I I will be vulnerable. Yeah, it means I'll be um, I'll look like a fool. Yeah, it means that I'll be weak. Yeah, it also means, and this meant a lot to me in the early years of my Christian life, I'm alone. When you die on a cross, you're dying alone. Nobody can help you. Nobody's there with you. You are alone, and I don't like that. I don't like it. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to uh, be alone in it. I don't want to be ashamed. I don't want to be weak. I, do you know that in prisons in the United States, the common thing is for prisoners to become Muslims? And why? Because the Muslim religion is about strength. It's about strength, it's about the sword. It's about, I will kill you if you don't convert to Islam. That's how it started, the 7th century. It was war-like. It was a sword. And it's about muscles and about strength and righteousness. And that God is righteous and so am I. And I am strong and God is great. Allah, he is great. And Muhammad is his prophet. That's their Mantra. That's their chant. That's their ideology wrapped up. Ours is God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave his son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Completely different. Because this son of God is weak, not strong. We are we are accused of being soft. We're accused of being too gracious. We're accused of being too forgiving. We're accused of being unrighteous. We're accused of being like just vulnerable. And I can't live in a prison being vulnerable. I have to get muscles and tattoos and just say I'm a Muslim and be a tough guy. But God says there's another kind of toughness it's love. It's when I lose my life for you. When I give up my rights on the boat to go with Jesus to a place where it's unclean, not right for me to be there as a Jew, but he's leading me. It doesn't look good, but he's leading me because he wants to do something that loved us. Save. Love will save Love will forgive. Love will give mercy. Right? Let's finish up here. Let's read it. It says, verse 27. And he went forth to land, and there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils a long time and wore. No clothes. Neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. So, he's really upside down. Talk about being messed up. He's really got problems. A Tomb cemetery is an unclean place for a Jew. Filled with demons and naked, miserable man, lost. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, verse 28, and fell down before him with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, thou Son of God, Most High? The demons knew who he was. The demons know the spiritual world they can feel it, they know it, they know all about it. they can sense the spirituality of God, the holiness of God. they can sense it it 's like I compare it to like insects uh sensing um uh, things or birds or animals they sense they know they know how it goes and and um, I, I'm always fascinated with that, with insects and how that whole thing works. How, how do they know? How can an ant find a grain of sugar? How do they know? How do the demons know that this is a son of God? Because they know that he came from God, the Most High. And very likely they saw him when he was in heaven when they before they fell and now on the earth there's a contest and they've got this man and Jesus came to deliver the man but the demons could say what have I got to do with you and another way is leave me alone get out of here like this is mine this is mine and that's how demons think that's mine it's my man my territory it's mine and jesus sends us into the world on a mission and there's three two two things here that's important before the mission we're together and we we are healthy on our ship we are learning on our ship we're learning who he is we're talking to him in fellowship we're listening to God's word. We're in fellowship with God. We already have it. So when we land in the devil's territory, we have a ministry. We have words, we have faith. Now now my faith well, my faith is needed out on the water, but now my faith is needed here in the land. I'm I'm following Jesus. I'm constantly looking at Jesus. I'm constantly relating to Jesus and watching what is happening. And that's like us living, living life now. We are aware of him. We are watching. So then verse 29. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him. He was kept bound with chains and fetters. He brake the bands and was driven to the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion. Now I'll finish with this story. I was in Bible college years ago, I, it shook me. It shook me to no end. You see on the movies that are made in Hollywood about demons and all of this type of thing. Yeah, I, I don't know about any of those in the movie. I don't recommend any of them. I don't watch them. I just see them on the commercials or something on TV sometimes. But I want to tell you, they are real. They are real. I, I want you to know that. You're, you're reading our Bible. We, 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 they are real. Demons are real. So, Pastor Stevens, he was our, our pastor for many years. And years ago, when I was in Bible school with him, we had a girl and uh, come to a, a rap session at our church up in Maine. And she was just from outside. I mean, she came. She was new. And then she started choking and then she went down on the floor and like she was like her eyes rolled in the, her head. And and then she was like talking like through demons were talking through her and um, uh, and telling us things. And Pastor Stevens is very, you know, he's a spiritual man. So he's like uh, casting demons out or saying you have to leave her. And it was very hard because, like, she wasn't conscious. It wasn't a woman. It was a demon and different voices and pieces of information. And one demon said, um, I killed a baby. And the pastor said, how did you kill the baby? And the demon said, I was in a lion in Africa. Okay, so we know demons lie. But then we we realize they also answer questions. And actually, this is uh, like shocking because we're all. And then one demon said this was 18 demons came out of this woman. And one demon said, I know you. I know you with a weird voice, you know, like yeah, I know you. And then the woman said, you don't know me. And the demon said, yeah, you were with, you went to a fortune teller in New York City. And I think it was Miriam Collenbeck. And she said, you don't know me. My life is hid with Christ in God. And the demon said, no, you went to see a fortune teller. So... It, the demons were saying, "I burned down a house. I killed her husband. All these things." So, the day later, after all these demons have left her, we are talking to her. I went. She was right in the building. She stayed overnight in the dormitory, and we were out talking to her and asking her, "Um, you know." We, we we went to Miriam and we just said, Miriam, is that true? You were. With, I went to a fortune teller and she said, Yes, it, it was. I did do that one time, and I can't believe that 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 there, the demon knew that. You know, like I don't know this at all. So that's the. When I left that room, when I left that church that place in South Berwick, I was totally affected by it because it was supernatural. At the last demon leaving the girl, she was, came, to, came to and she didn't know what happened. And we, we comforted her. We gave her some water to drink and, and talked to her and she was normal. But when she was possessed of the demons, she was not she was possessed by them and they were cast out of her and and in this story it's very clear that Christ does this for this man and this man's life changes Um I when I was in India we they said to in our pastors' meetings, they said, Could you tell us something about casting out demons? And I said, Why? And they said they said, Because it's very common in the villages. And we knew, we wanted we want to help people. And and we wonder why is it so common and they, because maybe there's so much idolatry in India that the demon activity, they have some authority because of the idolatry. Whereas in the Western world, we don't have idolatry like that, but we do have it in our hearts. But but we don't have it like that, or I don't know why it isn't the same, but I'm only saying it exists. It's real, and God cares about these people, and he can deliver them, and he does, and he did. So... I hope that ministers to you, or at least it informs you. So let's go over it. My life, authority with God because of knowing him, our fleet, we're together, we're on a mission, and thirdly, the mission is effective. It's powerful. It helps people delivers them, saves them, releases them, and it's very important. Amen. should you pray with me, please? Great peace have they that love your word. Nothing will offend them. Lord, we have a focus on your words. Meditation, acceptable. You are alert and involved in every life here. You care about each one, but you say to us, believe me. Come to me in prayer by faith. Lift up holy hands without wrath, without doubting, and trust me and pray to me. I'm I'm alive, I'm awake, I'm in, I'm on the boat, I'm with you. Trust me in your personal life. Give me your career, give me your family, give me your crossword puzzle or your Picture puzzle. Give me your, your things. Give me your life. Give me your heart. I am God. I am your Father. Yes, Lord. Thank you for this meditation today. And then anyone not yet believing in you, would they just say a prayer of faith right now? Lord Jesus, come into my life be my Savior. I, I, you are my Savior. You are the only one. And I, I put my trust in you with my heart.
0: And teach me and lead me. In Jesus' name, amen.